chapter number three, John chapter number three this morning, and uh, continuing our uh, verse by verse study in the Gospel of John. And I do want to remind everybody that John is a different gospel in the sense that uh, there are things contained in the Gospel of John that you will not find uh, in Matthew and Mark and Luke. Now, uh, some people would ask, why is that? There's a couple reasons for that. Uh, one of them is the purpose for which John was written. So if you're not familiar with that, go to John. Before we jump into John 3, go to John chapter number 20. John chapter 20. I've had a couple people recently get saved here. And uh, when they get saved, we always encourage them uh, to start reading their Bibles in the Gospel of John. I was talking to one of them yesterday. Uh, and he said, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I said, what does that mean? He goes, well, I'm getting into a rhythm of reading my Bible every day. So I, I've just started with a chapter. And look, if you've been saved a long time, you're like, oh, a chapter's not a lot. Listen, a chapter a day, when you, especially when you first get saved, praise God for that. The majority of Christians today really don't read their Bibles at all. So praise God when someone's reading their Bible at all. So uh, anyways, uh, you know, young, young man saying, I'm getting into a rhythm and reading my Bible. I said, that's great. Uh, the reason, though, that John, thank you so much. The reason that John uh, was written is uh, for a particular purpose. Look at John chapter 20 and look, if you would, at verse number 30. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. Uh, and uh, I, I'll tell you what, guys, if everything was written that Jesus did, you go to the next chapter, look at John 21 and verse 25. There are also many other things which Jesus did, and the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. I'm mean, Amen. <laughs> I like how it ends. It just goes, amen. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like telling you, like, this is, this is factual. Uh, but go back to chapter 20, look at verse 31. The reason that John is written... Uh, is a particular reason, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. So the reason that John is written is to confirm uh, your faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Uh, And so because of that, go back to John chapter 3, because of that, uh, you've got things in the Gospel of John that you're not going to find in any other gospel. Uh, one of them has uh, one of the things you're going to find over and over and over is I am, I am the door, I am the shepherd, uh, I am the way, I am the truth, I'm the I'm the bread from heaven, I am, I am, I am. Why is that? Because Jesus Christ is Jehovah God. There's no th- th- listen. There are different persons in the Godhead, but they're not three distinct different gods. You understand that, right? It's one God, different persons. Uh, very very similar to the fact that you are a body, a soul, and a spirit. But there's not three Joes, right? There's one Joe, but he's got a body, a soul, and a spirit. There's one God, and it's expre- he expresses himself through God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Uh, to make Jesus Christ a lesser God or a creative God uh, is a heresy that is not biblical. He is, in fact, God, all right? And so when it says that it gives him the title of the Son of God, uh, that, that is also something that would make him equal with God. We find that later in the, in, in the Gospel of John in John chapter 8. Uh, another reason why some things are different in John is because John is written later after some of the other Gospels are written. Uh, and, and one of the things that I think is kind of important to understand is that uh, there are things that were not revealed during the ministry of Jesus Christ that are revealed later on, for example, through the ministry of the Apostle Paul. 
I am not advocating that Paul is greater than Jesus. Do not get that from what I'm saying. I'm simply saying that Paul, the Lord uses Paul to reveal things that, that, that the disciples were not ready to hear because at the time when Jesus first came, uh, a lot of the messaging had to do with Israel as a nation. All right. Having said that, you read about the new birth in John 3. We've already gone through all of that. As we're winding down toward the end of the chapter, look, if you would, at verse number 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. That may be the understatement of the year in my life. He must increase, but I must decrease. Uh, and don't you like that it's a disjunctive conjunction that connects those two thoughts? Uh, he, he needs to go up, but, but in other words, like, here's the problem. I need to go down. And you cannot have one without the other. Here's the reality. If you increase, if your flesh gets its way, the Lord gets less of you. All right? The more you give to the Lord in your life, the, the less your flesh gets its way. But it's never going to be both. You cannot give into your flesh and get more of God. All right? Now, when you got saved, you got all the Holy Spirit you were going to get the moment you got saved. The, the reality is this, though. Sometimes you are filled with Him, and sometimes you are not. Uh, look, if you would, at Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to come back to John 3, Ephesians chapter 4. And I guess before we get uh, too far into this, uh, Brother Joe, would you ask God's blessing on the word this morning? Ephesians 4, and before we read verse 30, if you'd ask God's blessing, sir. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Look at Ephesians 4. Look, if you would, at verse number 30. Uh, I want to be clear about this as well. The, the Bible does not speak about the Spirit of God as a force uh, or a, an ambiguous type of... Uh, entity within the universe. The Spirit of God, especially for the belief, the New Testament Christian is a person, all right? And, and, and the reality is this, when you got saved, you were baptized, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, into the body of Christ through the Spirit of God without water. Though if you got baptized physically later, that's great. Praise God for that, not taking away from that. But the moment you got saved, you were spiritually baptized and instantly filled with the Spirit of God. All right. Now, the question then becomes, what happens whenever I, I do something that is contrary to the leading of the Spirit of God in my life? Look at Ephesians 4, verse number 30, talking about him increasing and you decreasing. All right. And so with that thought comes being filled with the Spirit of God. Ephesians 4, verse 30, and grieve not who? The Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed under the day. Now, thank God, even when you grieve him, he will not leave you. Amen. Uh, you are sealed under the of redemption. Thank God for that. I'm looking forward to that day. The older I get, and I just turned 42 yesterday, uh, the older I get, the more I look forward to the rapture. 
And it's not just because I'm getting old and my teeth are breaking, literally happened the other night, uh, you know, and the, the gray hairs are coming in or whatever else. It's more than that. It's just the, the longer I live, the more I realize there's no purpose of life outside of Jesus Christ. And so I want to see him. I want to see him. I can't wait for that day. However, until that day comes, I'm making choices, not just daily, but moment by moment. That either allow the Spirit of God to fill me more, or they grieve the Spirit of God. Uh, now, now, when it says grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, let me say it like this. If the moment you got saved, you had no potential of grieving the Spirit of God, He would have wasted that verse on you. He did not waste that verse. It's there because we do have the potential to grieve the Spirit of God. Uh, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You say, what's grieving to the Spirit of God? He says, don't look, you look. He says, don't think about that, you think about that. He says, uh, change the way that you're, you're processing that, that situation in your mind, and you're not listening to him. He says, give out a gospel tract to somebody. You go, no thanks. He says, get up and read your Bible. You say, I'll do it later. He says, go to talk to that person about Jesus Christ. I'll get to that later. You say, what is that? That's grieving the Spirit of God. He does not leave you. You don't lose your salvation, uh, but you are grieving uh, God within you. And when that happens, what, what happens automatically is this. You are filling you with you. By rejecting the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God in your life. Uh, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, look what it says here. Some great one-liners. Some great uh, matters of obedience. Verse 16. You came to church this morning. Maybe struggling a little bit. Uh, maybe having a rough morning. Can I encourage you to do something this morning that maybe is contrary to your flesh and rejoice anyways? And when you're singing those songs about the Lord and what he's done for you, let those songs seep into your heart and let a little bit of an amen out every once in a while. Rejoice evermore. Uh, pray without ceasing. You know what that means? Every, that doesn't mean that you sit in a closet all day or sit on your, uh, next to your bed all day and pray all day. I think that'd be great if you could do it. Most of us have jobs. Amen? And by the way, the Apostle Paul had a job as well. Besides being an apostle and a missionary, he was also a tent maker to make ends meet. So Paul did not advocate just sitting down in a room and praying all day like a monk. Paul was out there dealing with people and in ministry and involved with what was going on in the world around him. But pray without ceasing means this, that in any situation that you're in in life, you are in a position to talk to God. If you go to a place, let, let's say you get saved and you know you have a rough week and you kind of find yourself back at the club, back at the bar. You don't lose your salvation, but I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be a hard place to pray. You know what's going to happen? You're going to, you're going to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You're going to quench the Spirit of God in your life. All right, Let, let's say that God is uh, giving you some victory over some things in your life. Here, here's what happens. You come to church, and we always talk about victory over sin, like I quit drinking and I quit smoking. How about you quit being a gossip? Quit talking about people. Quit mentioning people. You know, you ever, ever been around people that kind of, I, I, there's a lot of respect I have for some older preachers. And one of them I'm real, I've learned a lot from is if I ever mention another preacher's name, I'm usually, I'm never doing it in a gossiping way, but just say, hey, do you know this guy? Like, do you know? It's always like he kind of puts the brakes on like, if you're about to gossip, this conversation's over. And I can appreciate that. How, how about God gives you victory over gossip? You know God can give you victory over gossip just like he can give you victory over drugs, right? You understand that. Some of you guys are acting like, oh, I thought victory was like drugs and alcohol. How about God? Some of you are addicted to talking about other people. That's an addiction. Amen, preacher. That's right. And it isn't. Uh, yeah, that's right. Amen. You don't amen me. I'll amen myself. There's a wall. It'll bounce back. You, you understand what I'm saying, though? You can have victory over those things. And, and, and let's say that God gives you victory over talking about other people. Then you get in a situation where you're just so tempted. And you know what the Spirit of God's doing? Don't do it. 
Don't do it. You know why? Because he's checking your motive. You're doing this to make yourself look good. You're, you're going you're gonna to make someone else look bad so that you can elevate yourself. You say, what is that? Self-preservation. It has nothing to do with the Spirit of God. It's humanistic. It's you without God. That's why whenever he says, grieve not the Spirit, what I'm saying is this. What you're doing is you're filling your life with you, not him. And you know what God is? God's a gentleman. And uh, I, I'm trying to teach my boys. I don't know how well I'm doing with it, but trying to teach them. If you see a lady struggling with, you know, groceries or, uh, you know, trying to open a door, open the door for her, you know, and, and see, you know, try to be a gentleman. You know what God will not do? God will not barge in and take over. God will say, would you like me to help you with that? And when you yield to the Spirit of God, God will fill it. God will fill you, and He'll lead you and guide you. But until that time, God's not going to force Himself on you. All right, look at 1 Thessalonians 5. Look, if you would, at verse number uh, 18. In everything, in everything. Let's read it again. In everything. All right, you know, <laughs> some of you had some struggles, I'm sure. Maybe even this morning, coming to church. Uh, Miss Jackie goes, Pastor, are you okay? Well, we're starting a little bit late. I said, it's called baby life, man. It's called baby. Amen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You lose your brain for a little bit when you get a newborn. And so, uh, but, but the idea is this. In every situation, I'll be able to give thanks. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. All right. Then he goes on to say this. Look at verse 19. I read all that to get to this. Quench not the spirit. You know what that is? It's like drying somebody out. Now, he won't leave you, but boy, you can just stick him in a very small corner of your life and go, you don't get out until Sunday and Wednesday if you're lucky. And that's how a lot of Christians treat the Spirit of God in their life. Instead of saying, no, you're running the show. I'm going to let you lead this and you guide this and you show me what's right and you show me what's wrong. So the, the idea is this. You, the Lord saved you to pour out of you what he put inside of you. All right. And, but here's the problem. You can't pour out of an empty cup. So if you're empty or if you're filled with self, I'm going to tell you right now, what's going to spill out of you will not be good. All right. That's why there are times in your life as a believer where all someone says is they say something and they maybe didn't mean anything by it. It takes very little to get you over the edge. And someone says something and you know what you do? Or maybe you do it like this. Right. Through text or Facebook or whatever else. Uh, but, but you understand, you say, what is that? The problem is you have filled yourself with you all week long. Someone says one thing and you bite their head off. You say, why? Because you're not filled with the Spirit of God. And you, you look at John the Baptist. John the Baptist's statement of he must increase, but I must decrease. The, the context is historical in, in reference to what's going on. It's a transition of ministry from John's ministry to the ministry of Jesus Christ. But, but practically for our lives, it's like this. All right, you know what? Uh, Lord, you've allowed me to have my way for a long time, and you've been a gentleman about it. I would like to return the favor, and Lord, now you've got the keys of the car. I'm going to sit back. I'm not going to be a backseat driver. Who likes driving with a backseat driver? Oh, my, it's a word. Oh, oh, oh. I think, I think, you know, marriage is made up of two people, one of which drives, and the other one tells them what to do when they're driving, right? And, and so, and so, no one likes me. Hey, there's a truck. That truck's a mile down the road and it's hitting its brakes. Leave me alone. You know, uh, no one likes being told what to do when they're driving. Listen, the Lord doesn't like it. You know what he'll do? Go, okay, you know what? I'm not going to fight with you. You can have the wheel. It's yours. Uh, but when you end up in the ditch, know that it's because you were driving and not me. All right, look at Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians five. Just like he tells you not to grieve the Spirit of God, he tells you, 
to be filled with the Spirit of God. Ephesians 5, verse 18. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. The Bible, if you're taking notes, in Philippians 1.11, it talks about being filled with fruits of righteousness. All right? Uh, look, if you would, at Ephesians chapter 3. Go to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. And look, if you would, at uh, uh, verse 19. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. In other words, it's hard to comprehend His love, is it not? Uh, uh, we're going to look at John 13 this morning. I don't understand how He loved them till the end, knowing that one was betraying Him right there at the table. That's, that's, hard to, that's hard to fathom. But look at the rest of the verse. It says that you might be filled with all the fullness of who? Well, you know, here's the thing. You're going to be filled with something. The question is, you're going to be filled with the world, filled with yourself, filled with the devil. You go, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm saved. I won't be filled with the devil. Uh, I know we've already gone through it before, but over there in Acts 5, do you know what, what, what Peter says to Ananias? Why has Satan filled thine heart to lie the Holy Ghost. You can be filled with all kinds of things, all right? And it doesn't mean that they're all good. But if you want to be filled with the Spirit of God, it's a matter of obedience. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5. You see, naturally, what you do in this, what, what is natural to the flesh are the works of the flesh. That's natural, all right? Uh, that's why when someone says, you know, I don't see what the problem with weed is, it's natural. Well, so is fornicating. doesn't mean it's right. Amen. I mean, your, your logic for something being okay, is not, that's not good enough. It's natural is not good enough. Uh, matter of fact, what is natural to the natural man is what you're going to read. Look, if you would, at Galatians 5, in verse number 19. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. That's natural. These are the things that are natural to the flesh. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath strife if you have a home where there's always strife understand this it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not saved but you are not being led by the spirit of god there's there's flesh that's involved the bible says only by pride cometh contention so if there's contention and strife know that it's not the work of the spirit of god in your life and so keep reading here uh wrath strife seditions heresies envies murders drunkenness revelings and such like of the which I tell you before, as I told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not go to heaven. Is that what it says? No, don't misread it. It says they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's the rewards you get at the judgment seat of Christ and the blessing of being able to rule with Jesus Christ for the millennial reign of, uh, during the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ. You read about that in the Gospel of Luke as well. But notice this. Look at verse 22. What's the first word in verse 22? Now we're going to switch gears. If you're filled with the Spirit, you know what comes out of your life? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, not anxiety, not anger, not wrath, not strife. And, and let me go on and say this. It may be, this may be hard for others to hear, but not even insecurity. You know what insecurity is? Insecurity is you feeling something in your life where God belongs. And then when it doesn't work out, you're just a mess. That's what makes us insecure. Okay, here, here's an example. You don't feel accepted by people. You know what the problem is? You're trying to get people to do what only God can do for you. And, and so you become insecure in that. All right? And, and, and so in any, any of these things we're looking at, look, you, the, the answer to all of life's questions is found in Jesus Christ. But furthermore, it's not just a matter of I'm saved now. It's a matter of submitting to the Spirit of God. 
All right, so when you do that, look what you read here, gentleness. Man, uh, that's something sometimes we lack a little bit. You know, you can tell someone something that is right without being a jerk for Jesus. Gentleness is okay. I mean, listen, I can tell you this. Uh, uh, Olivia, our daughter, I don't talk to Olivia, the baby, the way I talk to Ariana, the 21-year-old. All right? You understand why? It's not because I love one more than the other. It's because one can handle something that the other one can't. Sometimes reading the room and knowing your audience is an important thing. And, and there are, listen, here's what I know about the Lord during his ministry. With people that were broken, he was gentle. With people that were proud and refused to listen, he just put the hammer down. <laughs> All right, but, but gentleness, look at this, goodness, uh, meet, uh, faith, meekness, temperance. You know what temperance is? Moderation. Moderation. May, you know, we talk about people that, can, you know, that have a problem with drinking, and that's okay. It's, it's, it's Bible. The Bible talks about that problem, so we're going to talk about it at church. However, here's what a lot of Baptists will do. You will throw the hammer down. You will throw the guillotine down on someone that won't stop drinking, but you won't stop overeating. I'm not trying to preach health and fitness. I'm just saying like, it's, moder- it's Bible, right? So what's good for the goose is good for the gander. If you preach on alcohol, you get everywhere. Ah! You talk about overeating, it's like, mm. why? Because you know, it's just like, well, that's, that's my guilty pleasure. Okay, well, again, I'm not trying to be too, too hard on you. I'm simply saying when you're submitted to the Spirit of God, let me ask you this. Why do a lot of Americans overeat? I'll tell you why. They're filled with anxiety. And they look for, to food for comfort. Just like an alcoholic looks to the bottle for comfort. And when you develop that habit because you have tried to fill something that in your life that only God can fill, you find yourself going back and you go out of balance and you get out of moderation and you are no longer temperate. The Bible says, let your moderation be made known unto all men. One of the things we're going to talk about in the series on social media is that very topic. It, there's nothing wrong with having a phone. There's nothing wrong with, listen, it's, it's a blessing. It really is to be able to look at a, a restaurant before you go and go, man, two-star reviews, three people died there from eating food. Maybe we shouldn't go. Amen? <laughs> nothing wrong. That's a great thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But, but at the same time, you, you using that for every aspect of your life, maybe it's out of balance. You understand what I'm saying? And, and so the idea is this. When you're submitted to the Spirit of God, these are things that will be natural byproducts of your walking with the Lord. But when you're not submitted to the Spirit of God and you're walking in the flesh, what naturally happens are the works of the flesh. And you may find yourself going, man, I've been saved for X amount of years, X amount of months, X amount of weeks, whatever, X amount of decades. Why am I still struggling with this? And the answer is quite simple. You may go, well, psychologists say when I was a child. and I, 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 Maybe, maybe. But beyond that, now that you're saved... And you're no longer five years old under your parents' authority in their house. Now that you're older, all right, now you got to look in the mirror and go, okay, Lord, how would you want me to address this? And the answer is, he'll show you. More times than not, the Spirit of God's going, let's not go in that direction. But the more that you quench him and the more that you grieve him, the more silent he becomes in your life. And so the idea is this, if you want the Lord to increase... You've got to decrease. You've got to decrease, all right? Uh, we'll go back to the text. Look at John chapter 3. John chapter 3. We'll keep going. John 3. John chapter 3. And, um, man, there's a, there's a lot of things. The Bible says there are many devices in the hearts in, in, in a man's heart. 
in other words, you don't really know you like you think you know you. And that's why the Bible says that about the Bible itself that it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so the more that you submit to the Spirit of God and His words, and in a little bit, we're going to see the connection between the words of God and the Spirit of God. The more that you do that, the more you realize who you are. And the more you look at Jesus, the more you realize who you are. And the more you're submitted to Him, the more you realize who you are and how needy you are of Him and how much. I was talking to someone this week, and I said, you know what the the job of the Christian is? To be more like Jesus every day. Easier said than done, right? Uh, But look look at John 3. Look, if you would, at verse... Number 31, he that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. By the way, the person that's saying all of this, go back to verse 27, is John the Baptist. All right, this is not Jesus talking. This is John the Baptist giving testimony and giving witness uh, to the life of Jesus Christ. Uh, and again, I want to point out what he says of this contrast between that which is heavenly and that which is earthly in verse number 31. Uh, a couple of things. Look at John chapter 8 real quickly. John chapter 8. Uh, and this is something that comes up more than once in the Gospel of John. John chapter number 8. John 8. Look, if you would, at verse number 23. And this is Jesus Christ speaking. And this is after... Now look, you... Sometimes you read the words of Jesus and you're like, man, sometimes he spoke roughly. Um, can, can I give you a little bit of context for why he's speaking the way he is in this passage? They literally just pick up stones like they're going to kill him. Right. Now, if someone's threatening you, you might get a little agitated, amen? You might speak a little more direct. Now, the Lord did it in, in, in righteousness, not just in human wrath. But look, if you would, at uh, John chapter 8 and verse 23. He said to them, ye are from where? And I'm from where? So there's this distinction, especially in the Gospels, where uh, when it comes to giving testimony to Jesus Christ, where there's this, you're here, I'm here. Not so much in the sense of, I, I, I'm trying to, to, to lord over you or just use my position of authority, but more so to let you know, this is where I came from. I, I, did, not, I did not show up here on my own with these ideas. I am submitted to the Father's will. I'm speaking the Father's words because that's where I came from. Right, And so th- you're going to see this over and over. Look at verse uh, number uh, 20, 23, the end of the verse. He says this, Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. Uh, later on in the Gospel of John, in John 18, when they come to arrest him, he says this, My kingdom is now not of this world. It will be of this world someday. All right, But what he's trying to point to is this, like, You guys are always concerned with what's going on down here. Can I get a witness? You're worried about your bills and your job and your, and your education. And, and I'm not saying those are bad things, but your mind is consumed with earthly things. And so Jesus Christ is kind of like God's smelling salt to mankind, kind of to wake everybody up and go, look, this is not all there is to it. There's something beyond this. And so he says, look, there, there's the heavenly and then there's the earthly. Look at uh, uh, John chapter number six, John six. And then we'll go to first Corinthians 15 in a moment. John chapter six. John 6, look if you would at verse number 33. John 6, verse 33. For the bread of God is He. All right, talking about a person. All right, for the bread of God is He which cometh down from where? And giveth life unto the world. There's a great principle here, and it's this. If you're never willing to humble yourself and get down on someone else's level, you can never minister to them. 
So he left the Father's throne so you could be saved. Aren't you glad for that? All right, so look if you would at verse number 38. Verse 38. For I came down from where? Heaven. Not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5. You're going to find this, this constant contrast, 1 Corinthians 15, sorry, this constant contrast between the, the heavenly and the earthly. And, and if you're honest with yourself, that's the battle you have every day. It's like, what is, what is God thinking about? What, is, what drives the Lord? What is his motivation as far as what's going on down here versus mine? And the, the difference between you and Jesus is Jesus is always perfectly submitted to the Father's desire from a heavenly perspective. We're not. And in order for us to, to learn to, to get there, we've got to learn to be more like Jesus, right? So, but here's the idea. Uh, he mentions the fact that he's from heaven. He's from above. Uh, he is of the Father. All right? And if you're saved, you are in Christ. All right? but, but those that belong to the earth, they're from below. All right? and, and you know where they're at? They're in Adam. Uh, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And by the way, uh, you're not black, white, Hispanic. And now those are all uh, real things. I'm not discounting the fact that God made us all unique and created us with our own features and all that. Thank God for that. But what I am saying is this. When it comes to God from an eternal perspective, you are either in Adam or you're in Christ. Doesn't check your race. Doesn't check your church denomination. He goes, you are in Adam or you're in Christ. Uh, look at 1 Corinthians 15. This whole chapter, by the way, is about the resurrection. It's about the, the rapture, the resurrected body that you're going to have someday. First Corinthians 15, look at verse number. Uh, and, and by the way, again, the older you get, the more you long for that, right? Uh, verse 41, there is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. Think about this. You come into this world bald, toothless, and helpless, and you leave exactly the same way. <laughs> Amen. It's true. And you, you got this period of time in between where you got a chance to do something for God. Don't blow it. Don't waste it. All right. Now, now look what he says here. He's talking about being sown in, in, dishon- in, in, in dishonor, but, but raised in incorruption. Uh, look at verse number 44. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Do you see the contrast back and forth? Do you see that? All right. Now, now in light of that, look, if you would, at verse number 47. The first man is of the what? Well, who's the first man? Go back to verse 45. The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. All right, so, so you're going to see this contrast between Adam and Jesus Christ, between the earthly and the heavenly. All right, look down, if you would, at verse 47. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is, of the, is the Lord from heaven. That's why once you're saved, you don't belong in living in the world. All right, be, because the Lord brought you out of that, and he gave you a heavenly destination, all right? And, and, and so, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like, like this. When I'm around someone that says they're saved, and they never talk about the Lord. I don't necessarily even question their salvation, but I question the fact that they're walking with God. Right. Like, like if you're walking with the Lord daily, and with the resurrected Savior, like those two men on the road to Emmaus that we learned about a couple weeks ago, well, if you're doing that, you are naturally going to talk about the Lord. Right. All right, look, look, if you would, at verse uh, 47. The second man, for a latter part of the verse, is the Lord from where? All right. Uh, look at uh, verse number, uh, well, I'm looking for the verse where it says, And Adam all die. Let me know if you guys can find that. Maybe an earlier in the chapter. 
Uh, da, 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 I'm looking for it, can't find it. Uh, oh, verse 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. All right, so the idea is this. You're either in Adam, you're earthly, or you're in Christ, you're heavenly. All right? And, and in order for you to, as a Christian, practically live in light of the heavenly, you have to, as we learned earlier, you have to decrease yourself and increase him. Uh, go back to the, our main passage. Go to John chapter 3. Actually, no, go to Psalm 10. Psalm 10 in your Old Testament. And as you turn there, I'm not claiming at all. Uh, you can look at me and tell this. I am no fitness expert, but I know this much. You start talking to anyone that's in that world, they're going to tell you, you've got to increase this, you've got to decrease this. You might have to decrease certain kinds of foods you're eating. You might have to increase certain kinds of exercises. And by the way, if you're, depending on what it is you're trying to do in the fitness world, there are certain exercises you want to do less of and certain you want to do more of. It's always like, okay, if I'm going here, then I've got to increase this and decrease this. If you actually want the Lord to fill your life with Him, you have got to learn to get yourself out of the way. That's why Paul says, I die daily. And in other words, I'm, I'm looking at what my flesh wants, and I'm going, nope, you're not going to get your way. All right, look at Psalm chapter 10. By the way, when it talks about the contrast between the heavenly man and the earthly man, it's not just a matter of Adam and, and Jesus. It, it goes a step further. Uh, it's a matter of Christ versus the Antichrist. And that's why when you follow the spirit of this world, whether you realize it or not, it's the spirit of Antichrist, according to 1 John chapter 4. Uh, look at Psalm 10, look if you would, at verse number 12. Psalm 10, verse 12. Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up thine hand, forget not the humble. This is the prayer. Uh, we're going to get real doctrinal for just a moment, so bear with me, all right? A real doctrinal, meaning we're going to talk about rightly dividing the word of God. This is the prayer of Israel during the Great Tribulation. At the end of that tribulation, they're asking the Lord to get off of His heavenly throne and come down and rescue them. You can read about that in Revelation 12 and Revelation chapter 19. Someone one time told me, uh, I think I'm the woman of Revelation chapter 12. I said, no, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. It was kind of fun. It sounded like little kids going back and forth. I said, I said no, that, that thing is about Israel. It's clearly about Israel. It's not about any other human. It's a nation. And so this nation is crying out. Uh, and then look, if you would, at verse number uh, 15. If you're not familiar, uh, the Bible speaks over there in Zechariah uh, about the wounds that the Antichrist is going to get during an assassination attempt on his life. Uh, look at verse 15. Break thou the arm of the wicked and the evil man. Seek out his wickedness till thou find none. The Lord, this is a, talking about the Antichrist getting out of the way and the Lord getting established on his throne. Now watch it. Think about this. From a doctrinal prophetic perspective, the, the, the world is convinced the Antichrist is the good guy until he does everything that he wanted to do. Then they're going, wait, we made a big mistake. Too late. Then Jesus Christ comes back, and in order for Jesus to reign, what has to happen? The Antichrist has to get out of the way and off the throne and be dethroned so Jesus Christ can get on his throne. Well, guess what has to happen in your life? The same exact thing. You've got to get out of the way so he can take his rightful place. Uh, now, now, look at the title that's given to the Antichrist. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number 18, to judge this is when the Lord comes back, second advent, Revelation 19, Daniel 12, to judge the fatherless and the oppressed, that the man of the, what? That the man of the earth may no more oppress. You can read about that. And by the way, the direct uh, uh, connection to that reference 
is in second, if you're taking notes, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, where it talks about the man of sin, the Antichrist himself. So in other words, look, uh, go back to John chapter 3. Uh, when, when John the Baptist is giving this contrast back and forth between heavenly and earthly, uh, it's more significant than you might realize. Uh, but what he's trying to do is he's trying to establish the, the position and the authority for, uh, by, by which Jesus Christ shows up on this earth and preaches what he does uh, and takes on the ministry. The, I mean, just remember the context, guys, is this. The disciples of John are going, hey, this Jesus guy is taking over. And you know what John is saying? <laughs> it's about time. Yeah. And, and listen, you know, every once in a while it's going to happen. People in your life are going to look at you and go, aren't you going too far with Jesus? And you ought to go, should have done it sooner, amen? Let me get out of the way so he can do what he's supposed to do. Look at John 3. I'll look, if you would, at verse number uh, 33. He that hath received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. Now, back in verse 32, I, I should have read that. Uh, it says, no man receiveth his testimony. In other words, uh, no man has the same position as Jesus Christ to be able to speak on behalf of God like Jesus does. All right, that's what he's saying. So in the next verse, just so you don't think it's a contradictory thought between those two verses, in the next verse, those that listen and receive that word, all right, those that do that are the ones that set to their seal that God is true. They are confirming the truth of God. Matter of fact, remember in John 1, verse 12, but as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. Uh, received what? Jesus Christ. All right, look at verse number uh, 34. For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. Now that's kind of an interesting verse. Uh, and and I'm, I'm just going to, without being able to get into all of it right now, let me, let me just say this much. The reason why the Spirit was given to Jesus Christ without measure is because of his continual and consistent obedience. Now, you may disagree with that, but do you know what it says over in Hebrews? It says that the son learned obedience. How does God learn obedience? The answer is he doesn't. But God manifests in the flesh, having to submit to the Father's will to show us a pattern of how we are to live our lives. He did have to learn obedience. All right? And, and so the idea is this. The reason that Jesus Christ was constantly filled with the Spirit of God is the same reason why he says, I do always the things that please the Father. If you always do the things that please the Father, you'd be filled with the Spirit of God as well. All right? Now, now, now the, he goes on to say, I want you to, to catch this. This is very important. He whom God has sent, verse 34, speaketh the words of God. All right, look at John chapter 8. Go to John 8 real quickly. I'll never forget one time a preacher was talking about a situation he was in where he was visiting a church, and they were going through some trouble as a church, and they asked him his advice. And they get down with, they sit down with the men of the church, and they're sitting around a table, and uh, uh, one of the guys kind of a, uh, I'll say this, nature abhors a vacuum. And when there's no real leader there, uh, sometimes the little dictator rises up. And so this guy in the church was a little bit of a dictator, and he was not the pastor. He's just, you know, a layman there, and, and he's kind of running the shots, though. And the visiting preacher picked up on it. So he sits down, they start asking questions, and the preacher gets his Bible out, and he goes, well, the Bible, and literally that, that little dictator put his hand on the Bible and goes, preacher, this is a business meeting. You can put that book away right now. The preacher goes, he looks at the pastor friend, he goes, well, sir, I appreciate the invitation, but I think we both understand. The only thing I have to offer here is the word of God, so I've got nothing to say right now at this point going forward. 
And he said this, and, and he looked over at the guy that told him about the Bible, uh, the Bible. He goes, I know what your problem is, bud. You want to run things, and you can't submit any authority, not even God. And uh, you say, what is that? Well, when, when someone shows up, and they're telling you they are sent of God, but the message that they bring is against the Word of God, you don't listen to them. I don't care what their name is. I don't care if they're on TBN or your favorite Christian show or favorite Christian you know, radio station or whatever. If the message they're bringing does not match the words of God, let me say this, they're not sent of God. Uh, look at John chapter 8. Look, if you would have verse number uh, 46. I'm sorry, verse 45. And because I tell you the truth, this is Jesus Christ talking to the Pharisees, you believe me not. Which of you convinceth me of sin? In other words, who wants to step up? Come on, big boy, tell me where I've sinned. Tell me where I'm wrong. And all of a sudden, they get real quiet. They get real tongue-tied. All right? Uh, 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 And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's what? So if you are, listen to me very carefully, if you are filled with the Spirit of God, you are a saved, born-again believer, and you are filled with the Spirit of God, you are going to rejoice over the truth. You know what the Bible says about charity in 1 Corinthians 13? It rejoices not over gossip, not over someone else looking bad and you looking better. It rejoices over the truth, even if that means I look in the mirror and I don't like everything that's looking back at me because the truth exposes our flaws so that we can be more like Jesus. Right? The, the idea is this. If you are going to grow, it's going to be because you are submitted to the Spirit of God and hearing the words of God. Uh, look at John chapter number 5. John chapter 5. John chapter number 5. You cannot divorce the work. Now listen to me. I, I mentioned a lot about the Spirit of God this morning. But you cannot divorce the work of the Spirit of God from the words that the Spirit of God inspired. They go in tandem. When someone shows up and says, I was filled with the Spirit and I did X, whatever X is, if X doesn't line up with the Scriptures, in other words, if X doesn't line up with what the Spirit of God inspired for us to know, then the X ain't from God, okay? All right, that, so, so that's the idea. Look at John uh, chapter number 5, verse number 23. And, and I don't mean to be funny when I say this, but that's why I try to encourage our young people, if you're going to ask a Bible question, let it be from reading your Bible. Amen. Don't let it be from some jack wagon on TikTok that said something that's out in left field that probably isn't true. All right. Uh, look at John. I'm not saying everyone that gets on TikTok's wrong. I didn't say that, but I'm going to say this much. You cannot learn the Bible in 30 second clips. Uh, you guys sit here for an hour and afterwards, half of you are looking at me like a cow looking at a new fence. So I know that in 30 seconds, you're not learning the Bible. All right. From TikTok. Look at John five. Look at verse number 23, that all men should honor the son, even as they honor the father. He that honors not the son Honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Look at verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my what? There's this connection between the work of the Spirit of God and the words that the Spirit of God inspired. And believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come to condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. In other words, the idea that Jesus Christ is sent of God, it implies where his authority came from, and to express that authority, what does Jesus do? You know what he does? It is written, it is written, it is written. You know how he expresses the authority that God the Father gave him, and God put in his hand? He expresses it by speaking the words of God. 
if you're going to have any kind of authority over sin and over victory, over the, the, the habits you're trying to get rid of, and walking toward Jesus Christ and seeing people saved and all the rest of it, it's going to come from you submitting to the Spirit of God by hearing the words of God. All right, you, you will not divorce the, the word. Go, go up, you're in John 5, you're close. Uh, look at John chapter 6 and go, if you would, uh, to verse number, I'm looking at that, I think it's 63. Yeah, 63. 63. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. In other words, it is the Spirit of God that gives life. The flesh profiteth what? Nothing. Nothing. Remember that. The words that I speak unto you, they are what? And they are life. So when it comes to your growth in the Lord, you cannot divorce the words of God from the Spirit. Look, look at Second uh, Peter chapter one, Second Peter chapter number one, and the reason we know that Jesus Christ was sent of God is He spoke the words of God, and when He was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, what did He do? He quoted the Scriptures. Um, now think about this: uh, There's coming a day. Uh, now, he had, to, he had to go through that. L- listen to me, he had to be tempted, and he had to be tried, and he had to be crucified, and he had to rise from the dead in order to have the, the victory over death and hell. But now that he has that victory over death and over hell for eternity, listen, when he comes back to establish his kingdom, you know what's going to come out of his mouth? The Bible talks about the rod of his mouth. In Revelation 19, do you know what it says? A, a, a sharp sword proceedeth out of his mouth. The Bible says that whenever he speaks the words of God in second, or excuse me, when he shows up in the second coming, Second Thessalonians two, that he'll consume the Antichrist by the spirit of his mouth. So you know what I think is coming. You know what I think is going on when he comes back. I, I sincerely believe this with all my heart. I believe when he's coming back. I believe when he's coming back and coming on that white horse to establish his kingdom and fight the armies of the Antichrist, I believe he is literally preaching a message coming down from heaven. And as he's preaching that message, his enemies are falling back. I mean, think about this. When they come to arrest him there in the garden, what happens? I am he. Boom, they fall over. I mean, and that was before the, the resurrection. Imagine now. So, so the, the idea is this. You know where the power is at? You know where the authority is at? You know where you know that someone is sent of God? They don't just say things off the cuff. They don't just say what they feel. They speak the words of God. Uh, look at Second Peter 1, and we'll close with this. Second Peter 1, uh, verse uh, number uh, 21. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God. That means they were submitted to the Spirit of God and sanctified and allowed the Lord to clean up their lives from the inside out, holy men of God, spake as they were moved by what? That's how you got your scriptures. And so you cannot, what I'm trying to get across is this. We know that Jesus Christ is sin of God because he speaks the words of God. But that's, that thing still rings true today. If you want to see someone that has authority, you know what the Bible says about Jesus Christ? John 7, never man spake like this man. Well, one of the reasons why is because, as it says in no, a number of times in the Gospels, he did not speak as the scribes and the Pharisees, but as one that had what? Authority. authority. All right, where does authority come? Authority is always delegated. You understand that? So Jesus Christ shows up and he goes, I'm going to be an example to you that follow me of what it is to submit to the Father's will. And so as a son, I learned obedience. But I was given that authority, and now, now that I'm leaving the planet, when he goes up, back up, you know what he does? He says, all power is given unto me. And you know what he tells his disciples? Go to Jerusalem and wait for what? The Spirit of God. But ye shall receive what? Power 
after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, Acts chapter number 1. All right, so, but that power is not just for you to do whatever you want. That power is for you to submit to that Spirit of God so that you can make a difference in this world. And when you do that, you will be speaking the words of God. Let's all stand and be dismissed in a word of prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you for the word of God. Lord, let us never get tired, Lord, of, of getting into this. Lord, let us never be weary of, uh, Lord, uh, learning your words and studying it and letting it sink into us. And God, let it, let it make a difference in our hearts today. Lord, I do pray if there's someone here that isn't saved, Lord, I pray for their salvation. If there's someone, Lord, that maybe is struggling with something in their life and, Lord, they need encouragement, would you encourage them? Someone that's maybe running from what you want from them, Lord, would they stop being Jonah and just uh, get into fellowship with you? God, I don't know what everyone here needs, but, Lord, I pray you'd minister to them. Lord, we love you. Thank you for all you've done for us and ask your blessing on the next hour. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take a break there.